Hey, what's up, monkeys? You're listening to the Arm Date Podcast. This is Uncle Silverback, and today is Saturday, the 27th of August, 2011. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in today. I uh, got some good news, and I got some bad news. The good news is we've got an interview today with our friend Ken, who sent in a bunch of stuff for us over the uh, course of the podcast. Um, some of you guys will be familiar with him. He did some apple seed stuff. Um, he's also done some movie reviews and some other things like that. Ken also does a couple of podcasts, which I have links to over at the Armed Ape website. Uh, so you can go over there and check those things out. He's got one podcast called The Exoskeleton, which deals with invertebrates. He's got another podcast called The Rimfire Podcast, which deals with uh, basics, basically uh, like all the rimfire things. So like 22s. Uh, the 17s, things like that. So uh, if you haven't given those things a listen yet, I'd, I'd urge you to go over there and give them a listen and check them out. Uh, and especially even like the invertebrate stuff, even if you're saying, well, that's not really my bag. Um, it's kind of neat because you can learn some stuff. So uh, anyway, what we'll do is we'll play the uh, we'll play the interview. It's about uh, almost an hour long. So at the end of it, um, uh, that'll kind of be it for the show. We won't be doing too much else after that. But before we play that, uh, like I said, I did have a little bit of bad news. I did lose the voicemail service. Uh, you can still contact me through the email and send in a recording if you've done an, uh, an MP3 or a WAV file. You can do it that way. Unfortunately, the old voicemail number is now gone. I was going through a place called k7.net. Uh, if you don't get a voicemail within, uh, they say it's 30 days, but I... I I could have swore I, I had one earlier than that. I was getting so much feedback from you guys that I'd gotten out of the habit of usually what I would do is about once or twice a month, I'd call over there and just make sure that it stayed active. Um, I guess if it goes 30 days without getting a voicemail, it just automatically deletes you out. So, uh, oh, when was it about a week or so ago? I thought, oh, you know, I haven't really gotten anything in a while and uh, I haven't called over there, so I'll call over there and just make sure that it re ups. Well, I call over there, and of course, it's saying it's it's invalid. Uh, so then I thought, well, shoot, I'll go over and I'll just get another number. It'll still be a 206 number. Um, the other number will be out, uh, but at least it'll be kind of easy. It's it's relatively user friendly compared to some of the other ones. Um, some of the other ones you have to uh, you have to call the number, then you have to call in, then you have to punch in an extension, and then you can leave a voicemail. And these are these are ones that are free, by the way. So. Anyway, so I thought, well, I'll just sign up and get a different number. So I went right over to K7, and of course they have a, a, a message on their site that says that they're not currently able to accept new customers. So we may not have the voicemail uh, for a little bit, but I did want to kind of make that announcement. But like I said, please feel free to send a like an MP3 or a WAV file or just a regular um, email, and I can always read it out for you on the show. Uh, and again, that email address is thearmedape at gmail.com. Okay, without further ado, let's go ahead and play the interview with uh, Ken and myself. A while back, you had done a, uh, I think a little mini review, or maybe I dreamed it. But I thought you had done a mini kind of review on on uh, your experience in BASIC and how it was... And kind of what I wanted to know was sort of how it was different from sort of what you expected. And then also because you were a little older than most of the guys that were that were with you in basic. Mm-hmm. Now that you're out of basic, 
is your experience you think a little do are you treated a little bit differently than maybe got that guy who's like you know 18 or 19 as opposed to you who've had like experience out in the real world and had a job out in the real world and all that stuff it's it's all been relative mm. for sure it's relative of whoever i'm dealing with it definitely seems like during basic my age actually kind of made me a bit of a target in basic because I stuck out. I was quite a bit older than anybody else in my platoon. And I was the oldest guy in the entire company. So that made me stick out enough that my, my senior drill sergeant really rode me pretty hard, but I think they felt they needed to do that, you know, and one to make sure I was, you know, actually committed and that so do you think they rode you kind of hard to make sure that you like you're saying that you were committed but basically to make sure like hey this guy you know didn't like his sort of civilian life and so he he's going to come in here and think you know he'll sort of breeze through and just kind of slack off here so they just wanted to make sure that you weren't having maybe like a for lack of a better term like a midlife crisis type thing yeah in part and also like you hit on something else there and that I think they wanted to make sure that, you know, people coming into the military with life experience, with a lot of life experience are so different than the 18 year old coming in with no life experience, but cause your, your, your 18 year old will come in two varieties. It, it seemed to me, and I'm just using that that age group just to refer to everybody that was younger. But there was either the ones who were kind of little hellions and they needed to be broke, or there were the ones who didn't have any experience other than just to, like, obey and listen, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But it, but anybody, you know, all the guys that came in that were in their 30s, we'd all been out living life. And so we know what real world is about. Most of us knew that a lot of the majority of going through basic training is a mental thing. You know, it's 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 all about stressing your body and your mind. If somebody has a whole lot of life experience and has gone through, you know, troubled times or anything like that, obviously they're going to, you're going to have to push that type of person a little bit harder to put that same stress on them. Mm, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So I think, I, I don't know for sure. Like I obviously not a mind reader into my senior drill sergeant, but that's just what it seemed like it was to me. And I caught that in one moment. <laughs> we were, uh, this was after we had gone over to the building where we pick up all our equipment. It's called CIF. And uh, it's so hot in Georgia, especially when I went through in the latter part of the summer, that they're telling you to drink water constantly. And your camelback is a part of your uniform. And I had, I had just got done 
chugging a whole bunch of water <laughs> on my own, you know, without anybody telling me to. Yeah. But then the, the drill sergeant that was there told us to drink. And so I just took a couple steps and put it down and he was still looking at me and I was like, yeah, I know I, I drank, you know, like, and he was like, no, you know, and he, I won't repeat what he said, but he, uh, he laid into me quite a bit for just basically, he thought I was blowing him off and oh, not taking okay, things yeah. seriously. And <laughs> that, uh, that was the kind of thing that happened if you, uh, if you sort of, just said, hey, yeah, okay, <laughs> to a drill sergeant, you know. They're like, they're like uh, no, <laughs> you do it now and exactly. So they want you to do it. <laughs> they want you to do it without question, even if you've already done it. Exactly. And, and that was one of my, you know, that was one of my early mistakes and the early showings of, hey, Adam, I'm an adult. You know, like, I know what to do. <laughs> yeah. So they had to kind of try to break me of that all that now i had some friends uh, that were um when i was in high school and uh they were a couple years older than me but i had some friends i lived in las vegas at the time and i had some friends that were stationed out at uh, the nellis air force base and mm-hmm. at the time they lived on base they were you know kind of younger guys but one of their experiences they kind of related to me was that sort of after they got out of basic that pretty much it was a lot of that, uh, oh, that mental testing and, and thing kind of went away and it was pretty much like a regular job. Um, are you kind of finding that that's sort of your experience? Because, of course, this would have been, you know, back in the 80s when that was happening. So I don't know if, if mm-hmm. uh, because there's active engagements and stuff now, if things are a little bit different. I don't think it's probably a whole lot different. I think I'm in a little bit of a different category in that I went to an infantry unit. So infantry mentality, you know, can be a lot about testing each other. Just kind of, you know, people try to push each other's buttons. You know, it's it's almost all in fun, but it's that kind of dog pack mentality kind of thing. Um I don't think for me anything's particularly changed other than, you know, my, my age is still recognized yeah. by a lot of people. And they either take that of, you know, two different ways. They're going to see, you know, if I'm tough enough to meet their standards or they respect me for coming in when I did. You're definitely in the minority as far as being on the upper age of the graph, so to speak, other than the, because even kind of an old timer in the military is what probably considered 24 or 25, something like that. Cause you would have been in, if you'd stayed in, you'd have been mm. in for quite a while. It depends of the lower enlisted. That's, that's definitely true. Um, although it seems like in my particular company, we have, we have guys in their thirties and, um, I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure we've got guys in our in their 40s. So it's not as it doesn't seem to be as I got out of basic. It doesn't seem to be as stark of a difference as when I went through. Mm. I went through with almost all younger guys in basic. There were there was like there were five guys that were 
35 or older, I think, when I went through basic. And we actually had to have a special meeting with the uh, company commander in basic <laughs> uh, to just kind of go like, well, they, they were, you know, one, like, okay, you know, do you have anything wrong with you that we need to know that you, you know, we might break you or, uh, you know, and the other thing was they looked for us uh, to be leadership, I guess you could say for the younger crowd to, to set examples. Mm, okay, basically, so and, this is uh, how you do it. Sort of, yeah. Now, that is, although, the way uh, the rest of Basic played out, none of us ended up really playing a huge leadership role. Um, and that they actually, they actually a good majority, not necessarily our platoon, but a lot of the other platoons... Um, ended, up ended up putting the, the troublemakers, troublemakers in charge. charge. Sort of a, sort of a, uh, I guess, I guess he sort of, sort of a psychology, psychology thing. thing. Huh. Um, in that, in that, they really, really had to be on, be on their toes because they were, they were, you know, the you direct, know, direct toe between the drill sergeant and the rest of the rest team. And the drill sergeant was always, was always to that person. That person to have to have teams squared away. squared away, so, so they could they kind of train down some of the troublemaker in them, or try or try to, you know, by you know, by, by putting by them putting directly in the spotlight. spotlight. On your uh, some of the stuff on your Facebook page, you're kind of so if I'm using the wrong word, your specialty is is that going to be in medical. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm uh, I'm a line medic. I'm a combat medic. Okay. Uh, so basically, my position is I am the direct medical provider for everybody in my platoon. Uh, basically, my group of guys, my team, I'm the medic. Uh, I think everyone else in my platoon are infantrymen. Yeah, I don't think we have anybody else, any other. Job types, MOSs in my my platoon, and the majority of my company is made up of infantrymen too. Although we have, a, I think we have some cannon crew members and a couple other people, but uh, there's only, I think there's about you know, in a platoon, in my particular battalion, you have anywhere from say twelve to sixteen guys. And I'm the medic for those, for that group of guys. Okay. So I'll go out on on all the missions with them, and if anybody gets sick or injured, that's where being a medic kicks in, and that I I take care of that person, and or get them to the next level of care, okay. whether that be battalion aid station or or beyond. Because I had a I had a buddy that was in and this was again a long time ago but he was in the Marine Corps and he mm-hmm. was um, he was also I think he was he was uh, I want to say he was part of the medical thing or maybe part of the medic thing but he was also he told me that he was also expected to um, if it came down to it to go ahead if they got in a firefight or something like this of course there at the time there was no there was no active stuff going on but. He was saying that the mm-hmm. way that he trained. So did they do that same thing for you so that if you're out with them 
on a patrol or something and something happens, are you, is, is your, uh, would your primary thing be to, to make sure if anybody got hurt, you go to them. But then if, if you're needed that you would also, uh, become involved in the fight as well. Definitely. Uh, I carry an M4 and I'll probably have an M9 with me. And those are, um, it's sort of like a big gray area to some regard as personnel. I am not an offensive. I don't have an offensive job position. Okay. Like all, all the rest of my platoon, basically my weapons are, are self defense. Um, items, but if people are shooting at us, I, that's self-defense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to shoot yeah. back, you know. And, and we talk about it in um, in the medical community. You know, uh, when if somebody gets hurt on the battlefield, your first priority is to suppress the enemy, because if you get shot running to that casualty then you're no good to that casualty. So, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, you definitely, shooting back is your is your first, uh, the first bit of medical task you would do is to shoot back. Make sure that you're not going to become the next casualty. And then you said you were going to be, um, you said you were also going to be deploying here pretty soon. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in our last conversation, you had said that you're going to be going over there for about a year. Is that is that now the the like the standard length of deployment that you get per like per tour, if that's the right terminology? It was um, tours. It looks like uh, they just passed something where um, deployments are going to be cut down to nine months. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to pertain to my deployment or not. I really don't, um, because our orders were already cut for this deployment before that passed. So I don't know if that'll be applicable to mine or not. And there's a little bit of a trade-off though, too, in that if I do end up doing a full 12 months, I'll be able to come home for R and R somewhere in the middle of the deployment. Uh, if I go over there and they do end up shortening the deployment to nine months, I'll just go over and do the whole nine months and then come back home. And then uh-huh. on, so let's say that you end up having to do like the full year. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how long you signed up for or anything like that, but would that at that point, let's say after your year is done, is your enlistment term done or do you have longer to go still? No, I'll have longer to go. Okay. I'll, I'll come back and to my post and work at my post for, um, I think it's like a couple more years before my contract's up. Yeah. And is this, do you think, I mean, and even, at, even at that point, my, uh, my contract, the way it works is even if I got out when my contract is, you know, quote unquote up, um, I still have, four more years of um, inactive reserves. So they could, for that next four years, they could still call me back up. And then if you wanted to, let's say that if you, at the end of your, at the end of your contract term, if you wanted to go further, uh, let's say you extended it for another two years or something like that. 
at the end of that, you always is there is there always going to be a period of sort of that inactive reserve where they can recall you for a couple of years. So no matter sort of like when you get out, unless you did like a full 20 year term or something. Mm, no, in that if I let's say, okay, so the way my particular contract works is I signed up for four active for inactive reserve. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a total of eight years. So if I end up extending my active duty as far as I know, that eats into the time of my inactive reserve. So that, say, I went ahead and just signed up for another four years. At the end of that, at, at, at the end of eight years, I believe my entire contract is up and I don't have that inactive reserve waiting for me. Oh, okay. I think I think that four years of inactive reserve is stationary in time if that makes sense yeah yeah in that i i can eat into it if i want to extend or re-up but i'm not it doesn't follow me no matter how long i sign up for okay at least i'm pretty sure that's that's how it works and then i got kind of one more sort of like military pertaining thing when you, because you were you were basically a gun kind of a gun guy before you went in, um, before you enlisted. Right. So did you find that like your experience going through, um, like things like Appleseed and stuff like that? Did that really help you a lot, or was it a little bit of a uh, maybe a hindrance in some areas because they want you to do maybe things a certain way, and so you had to kind of overcome some of the stuff that you had learned or not overcome, but maybe kind of put some of that stuff aside to do it the way they wanted you to do it. Definitely. Mm. Both. Honestly, I, d- I do think a lot of what I did helped me to some regard, but also it was definitely frustrating in that I did know how to do certain things better. And, um, there were a lot of marksmanship practices that I couldn't, um, I couldn't put into use, um, including even just in shooting position. I I have a, a prone position that works really well for me as far as, you know, my position of my arms and my legs and uh, wasn't allowed to, to use that position. Um, the flip side to that is that, you know, out on the battlefield, I'm not always going to be able to drop down into a perfect apple seed you know, prone position yeah yeah uh i'm i'm, I'm definitely going to have to use a lot of improvised shooting positions you know i think in part part of that's to to break you of any of your you know hard ingrained habits and one of those that was really difficult through basic was when you're when i was standing just kind of shooting offhand uh, I had a real bad habit of chicken winning, winging my um, my trigger arm out to the side. Oh, okay, yeah. It, you know, when you're when you're standing, it it really helps with stability. Uh, on the battlefield, it you know could get your elbow shot off, right? Yeah. <laughs> your arm shot because it's it's sticking out there. You want to present as low of, of profile as you can. So I caught a lot of hell for that. You know, until 
until I was able to keep that keep that arm in, which isn't as ideal for a shooting position, but tactically it's it's a lot safer. Yeah. So there are little things like that, definitely. Uh, I also like it. Just you know, one basic piece of equipment: the sling. We weren't allowed to use our slings in shooting. It was just a strap to hang, you know, the rifle from your back. Hmm. Um, we we just shot, you know, with the rifle only, and um, we couldn't like do a hasty hasty sling or anything like that. So would that stuff have helped me? I think so. I think I probably would have shot a, a better final score out on the the um, qualification range. Although I did really well. I was actually... Mm, I was really hoping to get expert, but I think I was two shots shy out mm. of 40 shots. Yeah of uh getting expert with the m16 also uh, it's it's very different going out and shooting on a qualification range in that you don't really know where the targets are popping up and i if i remember correctly two of those that i missed were a couple of the 50 yard shots which were you know ridiculously easy shots but they went up and down so quickly oh okay that uh i think i ended up missing a couple of those and those were my two that uh i screwed up on not you know not ended up shooting expert while i was in basic and then as as far as um like how you and i guess you may not even know until you sort of get over there but as far as like if somebody wanted to are you going to have any access to like email, I mean, I know you'll get regular mail and stuff like that, but are you going to be able to have any like computer time or anything like that? I should be able to. In fact, I'm bringing my my phone, which I won't have phone service, but my phone acts as a little uh, kind of a pod. It's like your iPod Touch in a sense. Yeah, yeah. That's what it'll be over there. And I'm bringing my computer and everything, and I'm really hoping that I'll be able to continue – you know, both of my podcasts um, over there continue to record and, and get those out. So I don't see why I wouldn't be able to. Okay. Uh, most of my buddies that are already over there um, have looked like they have a decent amount of internet access. Okay. And they have enough downtime and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's just it. I The only thing I don't know, because, uh, you know, we might be, have slightly different roles. Some of my friends work in battalion aid. Some people, they just work at the, like a cash, like a, a forward surgical hospital type of thing. Oh, okay. Um, whereas I'm going to be out on missions probably every day. I don't know what my tempo is going to look like, so I don't know how much time I'll actually have back at the, at the FOB. Yeah, because I was going to ask about um, about like if you were going to be able to do your podcast at all, or if that would have to kind of go on hiatus. And uh, and but it sounds that'd be kind of cool if you could uh, if you could get some shows out or or something like that, or if it was mm-hmm. ideal where it was difficult to post it or something, you could always uh, 
I don't know if you'd be able to, but like even doing that transferbigfiles.com, you could do a show and then transfer that to me, and then I could put that out as a like sub episode of one of either Firearms Cafe or um, or Armed Ape. Right, so. right. And I don't know if you've had any experience. We'll kind of go in the in the twenty two rimfire podcast area. I've got on order the it's uh, I've had it on order for it's been over like two years. Um, it's the I think it's Advantage Arm conversion for the uh, Glock seventeen, the twenty two conversion. Oh, neat. And I got I ordered the. They came with two kits. One of them was, um, they call it the law enforcement, and then the other one is the target. And then the law enforcement, I guess the sights on the slide that you get to, re- mm-hmm. to replace your your uh, standard slide is more like your sights that you have on that come with the pistol, I guess. Right, um, right. I've seen those. But I haven't, and I've thought about canceling it before, and I've actually called up the place where I ordered it from, which was actually, I think it was top... Was it Top Glock or something? Top, I think it's TopGlock.com is the place okay. I ordered it from. Are they waiting to get them in? Well, I think what's happened is is that, yeah, they, they had so many orders because I ordered this, again, like I said, like two a little over, it's been over two years now. Um, but I ordered it right before, let's see, when did I order? I think it was... Like around April of 2009 or something like that. Oh, serious? Yeah. And so, and at the time, there was something like, you know, 300 people or something ahead of me or maybe even like 400. But but I think because what happened with, um, when you know, when once Obama was kind of in, had just right. gotten in, into office, and then we went through that whole thing of there was the huge ammo shortage. And then everybody was trying to buy everything they could get their hands on, thinking that this guy was going to just start, you know, executive ordering stuff and pushing through tons of legislation that would be Mm -hmm. anti-gun. Right. And so that created a huge back order. And I thought, well, even if it's a back order, you know, instead of maybe having to wait two or three months, I may have to wait, you know, six. Well, fast forward, you know, it's been like two years, four months and counting. And... At about oh, at about a year or so in, I actually called over there and I said, "Hey, you know, I just kind of wanted to know, can you sort of give me an idea of where I'm at?" And then they said, "You know, your number probably oh, at the time I think she said like 200 on the list or something like that." And I was asking, "Well, how many of these do you actually get in and get out a week?" And I was thinking, you know, oh, maybe they would get in, you know, 25 a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they get in like three or four, uh, at least at the time, because the demand for them was so high. Right. right. And uh, so I'm still kind of waiting on that, and I'm looking forward to that. But I didn't know if you had any ex- – I know you've had um, experience in the rifle, but have you had any experience with any of the pistol conversions, or have you heard anything good or bad about them? I'm pretty sure the one I – because I know there's a, there's an, a couple other companies that do them now. At the time, when I ordered mine, there was – Advantage Arms, and then there was like one that started with a C, and I can't remember the name of it. The the Senior. Senior, yeah, I think. Uh, does he the... does he actually do Glock conversions? I thought I was more under the impression he was like 1911s and at the you know at the time something else. At the time they did, they may 
they may have gone away from that. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but okay. at the time, that was that was sort of the two that you could get. And then I guess gotcha. now there's probably other companies that are out there. Um, there's at least one other company that um, at least has produced a 22 conversion for the Glock 17. Or 17 and 22, because it's the same frame. Yeah. I'm, I'm correct. Um, I, the one thing I hate to break to you is that those Advantage Arms conversions are a little bit more available than sounds like Top Glock is um, telling you. My local gun store has some. Uh, I was just down there, and they had some. And I know... Um, trying to think of the sometimes that that that's that older age thing sometimes when i <laughs> go to think of a name of a place it disappears um there's another big glock parts just oh lone wolf oh okay they actually have them in stock um a good bit of the time um i think it's one of those things where you have to get on their email list and they email out um when they get them in and then it's kind of first come first serve on those, but they get those in with some regularity too. Yeah. I've seen them. I've seen, I was at, uh, one of the local kind of gun stores here that also has an indoor range not too long ago. This was maybe, I don't know, three or four months ago, probably. But anyway, they had, they had the law enforcement version of the advantage arm kit. The, the problem was it was about, almost $75 more than what I would be paying. Oh, so I've been going back. I, I can find them sometimes, but I think mm-hmm. I'm, I ended up paying and I got a locked in price uh, because like I got them, I guess, you know, I'd ordered them before they maybe did the price increase on them, you know, the supply and demand thing. But I think I, mine was something like, 200 at the time it was like 200 and some odd dollars like 240 dollars something like that and then the prices that that i've seen out here were you know 325 some places i i i even saw a couple that were something like 350 now i don't know if in the last four months or so it's it's gone down um Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they've because they've they've started to maybe kind of sit on the shelf a little bit, so maybe they'll knock the price down a little bit. But I kind of thought, well, do I really want to pay another fifty to sixty, in some cases seventy five dollars more, uh, or can I just wait a little bit? So I, I kind of go back and forth on that because I think if I'm, I need to call up that top block again and say, hey, you know, where am I on the list type thing, and and uh, and see if I'm. You know, if I'm number 50 on the list, I'll wait. But if I'm number still like, you know, 195, I may just say, well, I'll spend the extra money so that I can actually get it and start to use it. Right. I hear you. And, uh, you know, another thing, too, and I was thinking about kind of about this the other day, was that uh, my wife doesn't like the recoil even of a 9mm. Of course, she's never really shot very much in her whole life at all. In fact, the only time she has shot is, has been with me. Okay. Um, and I took her to one of those, uh, oh, it was like an all an all women's class, like a uh, like, kind of like a first shots type deal. Oh, neat. Uh-huh. You know, a while back. 
and uh, she had a, I think she had a good experience there. And what they had her using, she used a Ruger uh, Mark, I think it was the Mark II that they had. Okay. And she liked that, you know, because, of course, there's really zero kind of felt recoil um, for her. And she liked it, and it wasn't, like, super loud or anything like that. And so what I was hoping to do, too, is because she doesn't like the Glock so much just because it's... it's uh, the recoil's a little bit more and it's a little bit louder and all that stuff. But what I was hoping is once I get that slide conversion kit that I can be able to take her out and have her shoot that. And then she, again, she won't have like the big recoil and all that other stuff. And at least that way she'll get, she'll be familiar with, uh, with the, uh, kind of weapons platform. Cause basically right. that's what I right. carry all the time. I carry a Glock 17, so okay. if, if we were ever out and something happened to me where I went down or got shot or something, at least she could, even having trained with the twenty two, she would be familiar with it. So she could just pick it up and go mm-hmm. type thing. It's kind of was sort of my thought process on what I want. But have you heard anything good or bad about them? Or are they all pretty pretty much about the same? I, also, I haven't heard too much on like the reliability or anything. Um and they they must be really nice because I never I hardly ever see any used ones for sale. Oh okay. Um you know, I think people snap those up and definitely keep those. Um and I don't know. I I'll probably have to I'll do some research. I'll try to find some info out for you, like especially on that specific one, and get back to you as far as reliability, uh, ammo preferences, stuff like that. Um, but I, that's definitely something that I'd like to pick up. Although for my Glock 19, even the Advantage Arms Kit, I, I've never seen them actually available anywhere at mm. any point in the last three years. Yeah. Uh, supposedly they make them for the Glock 19, but I have yet to actually see one. Um, yeah, I just, I'm pulling them up here and it looks like, um, like I said, I think mine was about probably $245 or 239 right around there when I did it. And then it looks like there's a couple of places that maybe have them for that. But it looks like most of them are going for at least like 300, 350, you know, probably if they've actually got them, you know, if it's not a thing where you've, um, where you would have to go on a list or something and and do it that way. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I'm I'm really, I'm getting impatient to do it because I want to, uh, yeah, the one that was for 239 out of stock. So, um, because I know I can kind of get my wife, I think, at the range with me if I can mm-hmm. give her something that you know that for her isn't going to be that big of a deal. Right. Yeah. So the one that looks like maybe one's in stock here, but again, they're charging like three hundred and fifty dollars. So basically, it's like a hundred bucks more mm-hmm. than what I did. So that's why I've kind of been waiting. <laughs> it's funny, you know, for. Guys out there whose wives or, or girlfriends or whatever don't want to shoot with them or you know just don't like shooting and stuff like that. What I have done is usually for my birthday or for like Father's Day, I'll have her say, "Well, make uh, my present will be that she'll go to the range with me." 
<laughs> That's cool. So and I'm uh, so, I'm slowly kind of getting her uh, immune to I think some of her fears about it. She was raised in a house where you know guns were bad and all this stuff, so she's overcome okay. a lot. But uh, she since her first experience was really good, you know I think she got over she got over a lot of her uneasiness. She still got a bunch, um, mm-hmm. and I I would like to find. Uh, I'm thinking about maybe doing a thing where I have her do some, um, maybe some private lessons just with a, just kind of like one-on-one with an instructor, maybe at mm-hmm. one of the local ranges here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, and that way I'm kind of not involved in it as much, but then that way she can kind of go and, and sort of be a little bit more at ease. Right. You know, even when, um, I, uh, little over, well, I guess, yeah. It'd be almost a year and a half ago now. I did the the rifleman's base camp mm-hmm. through the Appleseed program. That was that week long shoot. Yeah, I did the review for it. Yeah. Um, at the end of that week, we got to uh, we had the choice of becoming instructors in training, and the end of that week was a weekend where they brought in people for a regular Appleseed, and my wife came out for that weekend of shooting and for the most part even during that i didn't work with my wife uh when it came down to like people coaching her working with her on her barksmanship uh i sort of went away and worked with other people just so there wasn't that connection um that can actually work against you i think you know when you when you take somebody to the range it's helpful to have somebody who is a professional and not you. <laughs> yeah. Telling them, telling them, okay, you know, you might want to change your grip like this. There's just that personal dynamic that's taken out of the equation that really helps out. Yeah, and another thing that I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about, you know, they've I've heard other people kind of mention some of those things, but I've never heard anybody say, but it's true, is that, if if you've gone and sort of paid for a lesson, mm-hmm. the sort of the option for them to say, you know what, the hell with this, I'm tired with this, let's, I'm just going to go over here and sit in the corner and you can shoot, you know, they're, oh, yeah, that option is sort of taken away, or they're, you know, they're them to say, I'm tired of doing this right now, I don't want to do it, so, mm-hmm. and you know, you can't say yes, you are, um, <laughs> but if they, you know, if they've got, if you've paid for the instructor and stuff like that, it's it sort of. Uh, they're a little bit more motivated, I think, sometimes, you know, and it could both ways, you know, you could have a, the wife or the girlfriend that's, you know, that's, you know, more into guns and is more motivated shooter and the boyfriend who's never shot in his life. And so it can Mm -hmm. can go both ways on that. Right. Uh, I'm actually hoping to, while I'm deployed, if we can swing it, um, to send my wife to one of the bag 40 classes, that's going to be out in Arizona. Oh, okay. Um, that's the Basad Ayub group. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to go to that. There, I'm thinking the, I think they've got one coming up. Is it no? Maybe it's November. That's what I was thinking. It was like late October yeah, or November. Yeah, and I and I think it's going to be based out of here, actually, out of in Phoenix. Um, right, right. Because usually when they do them, they do them down in Sierra Vista, which. Mm-hmm. Um, 
from the Phoenix area is what? Oh, that's that's a little bit of a jaunt. It's a it's a it's a pretty good drive. So it would be mm-hmm. probably a couple hours one way. You know, to, to if you were if somebody lived here in Phoenix area and then they were going to try and drive down there and then drive back at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they have one in Phoenix, I might be able to do it that way. But again, mm-hmm. part of the thing is it's what is it? I think it's around. Eight hundred dollars for the forty for the Mag Forty because it's a week long class, right? So it's, well, yeah, it, yeah, it's a forty hour class. I think that's why they call yeah. it the forty. So I think it goes over like five days. Yeah, so it's and for me, you know, it's there's the, a little bit of the money issue, and then there's also the time issue, depending on when it is, you know, because I've I uh, you know got to pick up my drop my daughter off and pick her up from school and be available for certain things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure it's the same, you know, for other people too, that end up doing it. But yeah, I would love to be able to, to take that, uh, to take that mm-hmm. course. And, um, in fact, we just did a thing, uh, like I was talking about how, you know, for, a, for a father's day present, Mm-hmm. We did a thing where, you know, they have that thing like Groupon and the the different coupon sites where they send you junk on good deals. Right. Well, there's this one, I think it was Living Social was the name of the website. But anyway, they sent um, one of the local ranges down here, Cunningham's, had a deal where it's for two people. You get a um, a rental of a 9 millimeter pistol. And I, I'm sure they'll, I don't know what they'll, I haven't seen the details of it yet, but... You get a nine millimeter, fifty rounds of ammo, and they throw in a couple of targets, and it's for like twenty one dollars. And normally, when you go into any type of a range, they always make, and you're renting their guns, they always make you buy the ammunition there because they don't want, you know, like super hot loads or some oddball reload thing that goes through. Right. Uh, and you know, it's 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 more money for them as well. Uh, right. But I figured, so we went ahead and signed up for that and got that, and I figured, you know, heck for the just for the box of ammunition alone, that's what it would cost us for a box of, you know, 50 rounds of 9mm if they are just giving us regular old ball stuff. We're going to go in, I think, um, maybe toward the end of this month. And of course, it's nice because it's an indoor range, it's air-conditioned and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. we're going to go. I'm, uh, I'm going to see if I can't get them to let her shoot. She shot my Glock before, but I'd like to have her actually be able to put her hands on a bunch of different guns and just see if one is more comfortable for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like her to try the, um, I think she might actually like the feel of that M and P nine, uh, the Smith and Wesson, uh, mm-hmm. maybe with like one of the smaller, the small back strap on there. And, uh, so we're going to actually go out and do that. Maybe like I said, the end of this month. So do you guys, nice. do you guys get out and do much stuff? We were, before I went into the army, <laughs> it nah. seems like ever since uh, we've honestly had a hard time getting to the range together. I did go kind of to the range while I was up in um, Colorado on leave recently, uh, but we didn't end up shooting together. But we definitely did before on kind of a semi-regular basis, and I'd like—I definitely would like to when I come back. There's a there's a few ranges that seem like they're pretty decent here uh, in El Paso. One's actually tied to the post. Oh, okay. Uh, in a sense, it's 
I'm not sure if it's just run by civilians and it's on post property or really what the relationship is, but it seems like a a, a pretty decent range. Uh, and they have some competitions out there, which I'm interested in getting into, although I don't think my wife is. Um, I think for the most part, she likes to go out and kind of do some target shooting, but mostly plink. Yeah. You know, yeah. In, in a sense. Although she, like I said, she she does want to get her concealed carry here in Texas. So she'll be doing a local class for that. And that was part of what, what spurred me into wanting to, um, if we can swing the money, um, getting her into the MAG-40 class. Because um, to me, that sounds like really the, that's like a, a bachelor's degree in concealed carry, you know, because going through that, that class. Yeah, I think that's probably like one of the top, probably one of the top programs in the country, you know, that's available. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's probably two or three others that are going to be maybe that same caliber. But I think what he offers as far as kind of the legal aspects of it. Exactly. It goes exactly. beyond that's, just about anything else that's out there. That's the, the part I'm most interested in is that they they don't only cover the, the how to shoot, but that seems to be the minor part of the class. The the when and why of self-defense yeah. seems to be the bigger part of that, that their particular class. That to me, that's just as important. Yeah, I think I, I think I was talking to you the other day about that. I'm gonna I've uh, decided on getting that little um, the little 380, that little Ruger. Mm, mm -hmm. So I definitely I had gone back and forth and back and forth. You know, do I want to get maybe a, a small you know snub nose revolver? Um, mm -hmm. But I think kind of the thing that sort of pushed it in my direction to go with that little 380 is just because I what I was really wanting was something to where if I really needed to be 100% concealed and, you know, if I especially out here in Arizona, a lot of times you're in just shorts and a T-shirt and it's mm -hmm. harder to, con to carry and, and conceal the bigger guns, especially the, the 17 that I like to carry. Right. And, I, I uh, can't imagine for me, my body frame, I can't imagine trying to carry a 17. I, you know, you'd probably be pretty surprised at how well it conceals on you, especially if you get any type of a, um, I wear a lot of button down shirts, like short sleeve button down shirts. Right. And then they kind of float, you know, around your waist a little bit. And especially if you get something that has a little bit of a pattern. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, there's a couple of holsters that I like. And the, the one that I've carried for a few years now is a Milt Sparks. It's that summer, I think it's called the Summer Special. Okay. And uh, there's not much to it. It's basic, it's leather, it's reinforced up at the top, but basically it's got like two small loops and it goes inside the pant. And what it does is it keeps it pretty well smooshed up against your body so that as long, okay. and you can still print with a, you know, but you know, if you're wearing a t-shirt or something like that. But with that button-down shirt, I find that I don't hardly print at all. And I've actually done stuff where I've taken out the video camera and tried on mm -hmm. a couple of shirts with it and then kind of, you know, walked around and turned around and played it back. And then you can see, oh, boy, you know, you can really tell that I've got a gun here. Or with these other okay. shirts, you know, I haven't. So, um, and it sounds kind of goofy to do no, that. No, that sounds really smart as far as checking out your 
your kind of everyday wear, yeah. you know, if you're going to conceal carry, that that's a really smart way to do it. But, uh, but I just, I wanted to have something to where, you know, if I went down to the park or something with my daughter that I could be in just, you know, kind of summer attire, but still have a light gun in, in my pocket, you know, I'd have something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of people don't think about it, but you know, especially if you've got kids, if you're running around with them at the park and you're bending over and picking them up and, you know, getting them off the playground equipment and all this other stuff, it's real easy, especially, you know, um, carrying on your hip, it's real easy for your shirt to ride up and kind of expose the, you know, the grip and everything. So that's another reason why I wanted something to have for like a pocket carry. Right. So I think I'm going to go down. I've got the I've got the money saved up, and I think I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, maybe get that maybe next week, uh, or the, actually this coming week because today's Sunday. So, mm-hmm. um, but are you? Do you have your? You've got your concealed carry license out there. Do you still have yours from uh, what was it, Colorado? I have mine from Colorado. I'm. I need to really. I haven't been carrying since I came to El Paso. Um, I need to check that out to see really where I stand because I, I'm not, I'm not the normal, uh, what I want to say, you know, resident move, you know, from state to state. There are, there are things that apply to me as being military here temporarily. Oh, okay. And I don't know if that plays into the concealed carry, um, I know Colorado wants me to notify them of a move within uh, so long, but I actually still have a Colorado address. I still have an address back in Colorado. That's my um, home of record. So I don't know, you know, I'm just going to have to research how they look at that. And with, with me going to to, um, overseas so soon, I'm it's, it's just something I'm not going to worry about <laughs> for the moment. Yeah. But but when I get back, um, I'm probably just going to go ahead and go through the Texas, um, go through a class here and get my Texas concealed carry, um, just so that I know I'm perfectly legal here, even though Texas recognizes my Colorado permit at you know through reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Having moved here, I don't know how they look at it, if they look at that differently or not. So yeah, and that's one thing you know with the um, with military families and stuff. You know, if you if you still had a like you were saying, like you still had a permanent resident somewhere else, mm-hmm. um, you know, how do they actually do that? And if you're going to be you know moving around, although you know in Arizona, right. in Arizona, of course, anybody can carry now. Well, as long as you're not a prohibited possessor type thing, but. Right, um, and I think eventually we'll see some other states that are that'll go uh, through that as well. Right. I still can't believe, I, I, if I remember correctly, Texas isn't an open carry state. Yeah, they're they're not, which is odd. It, as being it seems as, really ironic, being as gun friendly as as uh, they generally are, probably some of the the friendliest ones are going to be. Oh, probably Utah, Arizona, Utah. I'm trying to think. Well, Vermont, Alaska, of course. They, they, Alaska and Vermont have had uh, basically constitutional carry for a long time. But 
and I think Utah probably within, if not this year, by next year, I think they'll go ahead and probably have uh, basically as long as you're not a prohibited possessor, as long as you're a legal possessor, you can carry. And in Montana, I found an interesting thing was that, and I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think in Montana, once you're outside of of a, of a city limit, so if you're, you know, just sort of out there and hunting or doing whatever, just out, you know, goofing off, I, I don't think uh, you have to have a permit to carry concealed. Um, and okay. I think they were trying to to tweak their law a little bit to say that, you know, well, if it's okay for, you know, you not to have a permit if you're out in a in a outside of city limits, it should be fine for you to be in city limits and be able to do it. So, and I think with, you know, now that with Arizona and stuff going to uh, constitutional carry, I think they'll probably be one of the next ones, if not Utah. Probably, it'll probably be a race between them and Utah. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think Utah might get it first. And then you're still going to do your uh, the exoskeleton? I'm going to keep that going. In fact, I'm probably I'm going to try to record another episode for that today. Oh, okay. I've, I think I've got a kind of an interesting topic lined up for that. Okay, good. Yeah, I've... Um... Like I said, I don't, I don't, uh, that's not my hobby, but it's interesting. I like listening to the podcast because you learn a lot. At least oh, cool. I do so. And, I appreciate uh, that. That's awesome. Yeah, I pimp it on mine. I've got, I don't, I think I've, I can't remember. I do, with my shows, I get them jumbled up in my head on which one I've done it and which one I haven't. But I, I'm pretty sure on, on the uh, Armed Ape website, I think I've got a link to both. Okay. But maybe I, let me pull it up and see. I know I've got, I'm pretty sure I've got Rimfire on there for sure. Yeah, I thought I'd add, I haven't added the um, exoskeleton yet, but I'll add that on there as well. Cool, thanks. So, all right, well, hey, tell you what, I'll let you go so you can record your show. I appreciate you kind of jibber-jabbing with me for a while. No problem at all, Tony. And, it's been uh, great. All right, old Uncle Silverback is back, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, once I get some of the information on where to be able to contact Ken once he's over there and stuff, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll double check with him, of course, but I'll make sure that, um, uh, that if he's cool with that, we can go ahead and, and, uh, get the place where to contact him while he's overseas. And, uh, that way we can kind of contact him and, you know, kind of send him some well wishes and everything and let him know that we're thinking about him, that, uh, that he's not forgotten while he's over there. So... All right, guys, that is going to do it for the show uh, today. Uh, Let's see, before I go, uh, let's go ahead and do a couple of recommendations as far as uh, what I've been listening to and what I've been reading. Uh, Pretty much anything by Ron Paul, anything by Thomas Woods, uh, Thomas Woods Jr., all really good stuff. Um, If you want to listen to some good political commentary, some good political politics from... uh, more of a libertarian uh, lean to it. Um, there's LouRockwell.com, uh, and then there's there's also and on Lou Rockwell you can find tons of good stuff. There's the Mises Institute, um, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good information over there. So, all right, my monkeys, take care, and I will talk to you next time. This guy's got a monkey scrotum, and he's bragging about it. Houdini!